podcast where we attempt to demystify classical spiritual teachings and apply them to modern day living. I'm your host, Kristen Coyle. Today's podcast is called Be Love, and it is focused on ahimsa or nonviolence, and it is the first yama or abstinence of the Raja Yoga system. The Raja Yoga system is called in English the Royal Yoga. It basically contains the part of yoga that most of us know today in the modern, especially westernized yoga culture. But it is much more than just postures and breathing and meditation. Raja Yoga consists first and foremost of the Yamas, the abstinences, and the Niyamas, the observances, so things that you follow or adhere to on the day-to-day of your life. And the Yamas are very important because they provide a sense of ethical guidance for us to follow in a way, not in a dogmatic way, but to follow in a way that if you really apply the Yamas to your life, your heart opens and you start to be led by your heart. And just for reference, even though this session is about ahimsa or nonviolence, the other yamas are satya, truthfulness, asteya, non-stealing, brahmacharya, continence or middle path mentality, and aparigraha, non-covetousness or non-greed. So if we live our life in accordance with the yamas, suddenly we start to align ourselves with our own heart. Because the yamas all continually are pushing us into our heart space. The Yoga Sutras says, In the presence of one firmly established in nonviolence, all hostilities cease. In the very presence of someone who adheres or attempts to practice nonviolence, your heart opens. Whenever we practice nonviolence, it's our way of saying we respect and have reverence for the life force of all living beings, whether we agree with them or not. Nonviolence is to continually check our emotional responses and attempt to not project perceived negativity onto someone else around us. Nonviolence is to trust that even if you feel wronged by someone, you don't have to create harm back to that person and no need to carry that harm within your own field like a chip in your aura or a chip on your shoulder. So for me, I have noticed the more I integrate the idea of nonviolence or do no harm, essentially, into my life, the less jarring interactions I have with other people, like total strangers, for example. When I was younger, I used to be a little bit more aggressive, and I would stand up for myself a lot, and sometimes feel attacked by other people a lot. And so I would end up in sometimes these weird arguments with total strangers 
or when I would travel, I would find myself in strange situations where violence was a possibility for me. And I would ask myself, how did I get here? Like what in my vibrational field or my karmic record guided me towards these more violent, jarring situations? And one day I started to realize that part of that guidance towards those more jarring situations was that I was violent within my own heart. I treated myself with violence and I also treated other people with a violent attitude. It wasn't that I was outright violent. I have never been in a fight, thank goodness. I don't even think I could fight. But it was that my attitude towards other people was one of disdain. I always felt like I was a little bit more awakened or a little bit more, who knows what, I can't even pin it down. But for whatever reason, things people would do would trigger me. I would feel oversensitive. And, you know, what's the difference between sensitivity and hypersensitivity? Hypersensitivity is a selfish thing. It's where every single thing bothers us. And why would every single thing bother us? Because we're in a continually triggered state. Whenever we feel triggered by other people, it is very helpful, if not imperative, to, like, to take a look at ourselves and see where those triggers are coming from. They're not coming from the outside world. They're coming from inside of us. The triggers that we carry are based on memories from the past, whether this lifetime or previous lifetimes. And these memories stick around in our emotional realm, our emotional field. And if those memories have a painful emotion or idea or thought attached to them, then whenever those memories get stirred up, we get triggered. And you don't have to relive the whole experience in your mind to have the memory stirred up to trigger you. A smell that you smell could suddenly trigger you emotionally to the same emotional reaction you had during the initial trauma or the initial jarring experience. It doesn't even have to be full-blown trauma. Any experience that has a confrontation to it, especially with the tinge of violence, can create a very strong imprint on our auric field. And if we let that imprint stick around for too long, we start to become triggered by even the smallest stimulus from the external world that would point towards that emotional trigger. And as long as we walk around and live our life without looking at these triggers, then we're going to be violent people. Because we will be blaming the outside world for our pain. We will be victimizing ourselves, not trusting the process of our life, that every experience is guiding us towards our own highest good. When we walk around hypersensitive, it means that we also lack sensitivity towards others. Because anytime we're hypersensitive, we're going to react to any feedback we receive from others, especially those close to us. Even if the feedback means well, we might take it as an attack if we feel triggered. For example, if you have abandonment issues, if someone you love gives you any type of feedback about yourself, 
there's a good chance that you're going to take it the wrong way and feel as if there is a loss, an impending doom, so to speak. And so instead of blaming that person for receiving the feedback they gave you, or me, who knows, we can instead sit with it and realize they have the heart to express themselves to us. It doesn't matter who it is, whether it's a partner, a co-worker, a friend. I actually found myself getting triggered from a co-worker this evening, and we're friends. And something she said, I could tell she was triggered by me and something I did. I ran my class too late, which is no surprise. And she was upset because she had a few minutes to get her class in the door. And although I meant well to explain why my class ran late, it didn't come out in the right way. And although when I left, we both said happy solstice, I could tell there was a static between us. And it was because we were feeding off of each other's triggers. And we both practice ahimsa or non-harming, non-violence. You know, it, sometimes it can creep up on us. You know, there's so many you know, small little things that can become sources of annoyance in this life. But it's up to us if we allow those things to be an annoyance. If we continually work on settling our mind into our heart, and when I mean heart, I'm not talking about the physical organ of your heart. I'm talking about the spiritual heart. You know, the part of ourselves that is always in approval and divine admiration and adoration for all of life because according to the yogis and i truly believe this as well we all have that divine spark within us every single living being has the seed of the divine within the heart and this seed of the divine is in a neutral space it's like our highest potency and potential bottled up right there in the center of our being and if we make an effort to drop our awareness down into our heart, and I'm not talking about like constantly focusing on it, but just following what we feel is right, trusting our own internal guidance, and also honing in on the ability to listen and trust others as well and let go when it's needed and be truthful when it's needed and not take too much from them and not give too much either, but just be in balance. Trust that it's all given and it's all for given. And we start to drop into a deep harmony with our own heart space. We start to really feel what is truly in alignment every moment that we are capable of feeling that. And when we drop into our heart space, Love is there. And although they say love and hate are two sides of the same coin, when I flip that coin, I want the love side to face up. And I think most of us could agree with that. You know, even though hatred will dwell there sometimes on the other side, it's up to us whether we feed that fire or not. You know, if you have two fires side by side, one is the love fire and one is the hatred fire, which one are you going to kindle? Which one are you going to feed? Although the answer seems obvious when we sit here and listen in a receptive 
open-hearted space. What do we really do when the rubber hits the road, so to speak? Are we able to stay in alignment with our heart? Are we able to let kindness rule us even when our initial response is a triggered state? Are we able to identify the trigger before it flows out onto others as projection that may imprint them in a negative way that doesn't serve them? Or do we catch the trigger before it spills out of us and not suppress it, not at all, but just see it for what it is. Have your trigger over for some emotional tea. Sit with how you feel with something. And then from a conscious place in this present moment, from a breath-based place, as is often necessary when we feel a fiery emotion arise, decide what you really want to do. If you were to record yourself behaving in a certain situation, would you be able to watch that recording back and say, yes, that was, that was right, that was in alignment? I ask myself that all the time, especially when I'm in a perceived negative emotional trigger. If I feel attacked, even when attack isn't real, for example. Not physically attacked, but emotionally or psychically attacked by someone. You know, what do I do with that? Do I push back or do I yield? Do I say, you know what? I have love. I have reverence for these beings' life force. Because we're all here doing the absolute best that we can. And how do I know that for sure? Is because there's no other way to be. We're all doing our best. No one says, I aspire to be the worst possible human being on the face of the earth. Everyone is attempting to move into their heart, but it's like it has this steel iron door around it, and no one has the code to the padlock latching it shut in the tiny hole in the back. But the key to opening the heart is ahimsa, is, it's nonviolence. When we truly embrace nonviolence, then we are consciously, every single moment, choosing love as our reality. When you kindle your heart fire, so to speak, when you kindle the love within your own life towards yourself and towards others, then suddenly when someone mistreats you or treats you in a way that is jarring to your nervous system, You no longer feel the need to reciprocate in kind. You don't need to fire back at them, so to speak, nor do you need to burn fire anymore. So instead of saying, do no harm and take no shit, those firmly established in nonviolence do no harm and take shit, and they transmute that into something beautiful and something empowering. And they might even turn that person's day around who who gave them the shit to start with. Because all they are doing is emanating love. Because when you root in your heart, you are rooting in that divine essence within yourself that knows who it is. Do you know who you are? Do you really realize who you are at the heart of heart of yourself? If you don't, start to observe nonviolence. 
If someone flicks you off in the parking lot because you accidentally cut them off, don't flick them off back. If you see them when you're wheeling your shopping cart through the store, smile at that person and maybe even say, hey, I'm sorry I cut you off. Not because you have to, but because you believe in bridging the gap between the heart of you and other beings. Because when we have the courage and the vulnerability at the same time and the willingness to connect with others from a heart-centered space, then we also have the willingness to let go of anything that creates destruction within our own patterning. Because it's all a mirror. If we behave destructively to others, if we treat others in a destructive way, then we certainly aren't treating ourselves any better. Then there will always be parts of ourselves that we reject and don't want to face and are afraid to look at. But if we did look at it, we might say, you know what, this isn't so bad. Actually, I'm not a scary place to be. Think about it. When you sit and meditate, what's it like to sit with yourself? Does it feel good? Is beauty arising as your mind plays itself out to the inevitable stillness that ensues? Usually right as the meditation bell goes off, right? Suddenly it's like, oh, wait, I could sit much longer. Or when you meditate, is your mind a scary place to be? Does pain come up immediately? There's nothing wrong if it does. In fact, I think that's more common than not. But how do we shift towards more inner peace? How do we find the peace within that never ends and cannot be taken away? It's by allowing yourself to root all of your actions in loving kindness. Non-harming is basically the same thing as loving kindness. Because to be willing to do no harm, even when we feel an injustice has occurred, to not move from a motive of destruction towards others or ourselves, it requires total love and an unconditional willingness to be kind, no matter what. That doesn't mean that you are become best friends with someone who stole all your money off the street or something crazy like that. It doesn't mean you have to be phony and say it's all love, light, and unicorns. It means that you harbor no ill will in your heart. There's no need to send energetic daggers to anybody, even someone who has wronged you. Even if you have to do something in the material realm to take care of matters for your own survival, your own safety, in your heart you still can have that spark of love and, and the belief, perhaps, in the potential of that being to reach the highest awakening of their own heart. So that the violent acts that they were compelled to do to, quote, you, suddenly they don't feel a need to do them anymore. And, you know, 
Maybe it was someone robbing your money off the street, and maybe you pulled the mace out of your purse and you maced them and they fell on the ground. You don't need to mace them that in a way that's like, I want to destroy you. You can mace them and say, I'm protecting myself. I'm so sorry I have to do this to you. You don't even have to say that because who knows, you might be macing them and running away with your bag because they're not going to get it, right? Because you're going to protect yourself and the things you've worked hard for. I'm not saying be a pushover. That's not what nonviolence is. And we all know if we allow ourselves to be a pushover, uh, a deep resentment wells up within ourselves. And one day it comes out like an explosion rather than a trickle. And we must feel sorry for those who are around when that occurs, perhaps. But maybe it's all perfect. The point is, is nonviolence is an attitude we hold in our heart. It not it is not necessarily saying, you know, every act you do must look like you were Gandhi. It's not saying every single thing you do must be in accordance with the yama and niyamas of yoga because maybe you can't always. But something that we're all capable of doing, if we just put a little awareness on it, is to come from our hearts and follow our hearts as the compass to what we know is in alignment with appreciation and respect for all of life. So when the Yoga Sutra says, in the presence of one firmly established in nonviolence, all hostilities cease, it's saying the vibrational field, the magnetic field of your heart actually the physical organ of the heart itself is larger than the brains. So whatever you carry in your heart, when you walk into a room full of people, whether they are aware of their psychic nature or not, what you are carrying in your heart can be perceived on the vibrational level. So if you're carrying a heart full of angst and hatred and maybe a lot of gossiping about someone, if you run into that person in public, even if you're smiling and hugging that person, they will still feel like something is off. Whether they are as dense as a granite boulder or as awakened as a Lumerian seed crystal energy. Either way, they will, on some level, pick up on it. It might be subconscious, or it might be blatantly obvious to someone who is a little more sensitized to perceiving energy. And so our work is, even if we pick up on that energy of someone that maybe they haven't been supporting us behind our back, there's no need to punish that person. There's no need to prove that person right. Think about it. When we behave belligerently or in a way that is less than ideal for, you know, watching it again if you were recorded. If we yell at someone, for example, we're going to feel a little bit sheepish later because later when our anger has died down, we can see probably, hopefully, that there were other solutions to those problems. One day, my love and I were 
eating at the kombucha bar here. And we saw two people fighting over a flyer being taken down on the bulletin board. And these people were making a big drama about it. Some guy came down, came in the booch bar and took down these people's business card. And they happened to be eating in the booch bar when he did it. He ripped it up and threw it in the trash. And he went to order. And these people approached this guy at the register and started yelling at him. And the booch bar was full, so everyone's looking like, whoa. And these people had a big fight outside of the kombucha bar. They had to be broken up by the staff there. They were bullying the person who pulled down the card. And albeit, pulling down the card was not a very pono or good thing to do. He could have just hung his card alongside theirs and been like, well, we're both tree trimmers. Someone's got to do it. And they could have maybe worked together and created a bigger business. Or who knows? But instead, he took the card down. It was a slightly violent act. But what the people did, the people whose card he took down, was much worse. Their reaction was so severe all they probably needed to do was reach into their bag and hang another card up and be like, hmm, what's his problem? I guess I'll hang it on the opposite side of the bulletin board. See, because nothing is ever personal. It's, it's not necessary to take things to such extremes when there are other solutions. I believe Eckhart Tolle says the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect different results. If we behave with anger and heavy triggers in all of our interactions or anytime we feel triggered, then the trigger gets stronger. It takes less stimulus to trigger the same response. And so suddenly we become a raving lunatic over a little bit of burnt toast. But the truth is, it's just burnt toast. Our ability to tune into our heart and allow love to be our guide is our ability to remain in an even state of mind. And an even state of mind doesn't mean that we don't feel our emotions, but it means we don't let our emotions become the end-all be-all to how we behave. If we are continually emotionally driven rather than heart driven, we create a lot of suffering for ourselves and those around us. We carry heavy things in our heart and then those heavy things we carry in our vibrational field magnetize other experiences to reinforce that heaviness and that trauma. If we are willing to let go of all of our little hatreds jealousies, resentments, and should've, could've, would'ves, then we become free to live from our heart and move from a place of joy and celebration and unconditional reverence for all of life. When we really integrate this, then suddenly we magnetize total strangers buying us coffees at the coffee shop just because they feel like doing it. We end up receiving 
a beautiful comment from someone we don't know. I had someone come up to me the other day and actually mention the podcast and say how powerful it was for them to hear a certain episode. I can't remember which one. And just for a moment, it made me feel more motivated to do the podcast. It, it cheered me up. I was having a challenging day, feeling stressed. And just that comment alone reminded me, yes, there's hope. That's right. I am using my creative energy. I am doing something good for the world. And so kindness is contagious in the best kind of way. So when you're in the presence of someone who's really rooted and established in kindness, then you become inclined to be kind as well. Even if you were in a horrible mood before that interaction occurred, suddenly it's forgotten. Because whenever someone is firmly established in ahimsa, when you are in their presence, you soften. Because they are harmonious and those vibrations are so powerful and so healing, suddenly it drops us into that same harmonious state of being. And so instead of saying, be the change you wish to see in the world, be the love you wish to see in the world. Be the love. Thank you so much for listening to Walking Dharma. Aloha. What's that sound? To the waves.
may reach your enlightenment.